And this is Discontent, a podcast about nothing and for no one. And uh, how was everybody's week leading up to Dia de Muertos, your Halloween week? It was fine, I guess. Yeah, I uh, I watched a lot of uh, Gossip Girl, unfortunately. Yeah, I <laughs> I am I am two weeks strong. No Gossip Girl. Everyone has abandoned <laughs> me, me on this badge. quest. In that period of time, I have watched eighteen episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening to me so fast but beyond so so i have a story from this morning on on dia de los muertos today so um sean and i went out to the grocery store this morning to pick up some um discounted halloween candy because that is you know everyone's it should be everyone's um november 1st celebratory activity and uh well we wind up we we did get like 200 pieces of candy that's not the point we were at the grocery store and i like walked away from sean to go look at a different like uh display of candy and he walks up to a small asian woman and thinks that she's me oh no (laughs) i guess she was looking at i wasn't there but he told me afterwards he apparently she was looking at crunch bar bag and like there were already crunch bars in one of the like um multi-packs we picked up so he he walks up behind this woman and he goes we already have crunch (laughs) oh no And I only saw the aftermath, which was this woman turning around going, "Ah." (laughs) and then Sean running away to come to my side. Oh, no. But apparently there's no difference between me and an Asian woman in Sean's eyes. (laughs) I mean, I mean. (laughs) He said, I saw long black hair and a sweater. And I I assumed it was you. And I was like, I'm glad that those are my only prevailing features. Oh Christ! Man, these masks these masks really make it hard to tell people apart, huh? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay, before we get before I talk about what I did this week, which was almost nothing, uh, I know that this episode is going to come out on November fourth, uh-huh. which is going to be the day after the bad election that we uh-huh. that uh-huh. I don't want to think about. Um, so when you're listening to this. There might be a life-altering decision out about an election that may be good or may be bad. And so, I don't know, we don't know in the past now which vibe we should be hitting. Yeah, yeah that's fair. So, so just so just if it's good, we're very happy and this is a happy podcast and if it's bad, we're yeah. very sad and this is a yeah. bad podcast. And to be utterly explicit, if it's Trump who won, we are bad. It's bad. But if it's, it's if it's if it's Joe Biden I won, it's like okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm all right. Okay. We we, all right. we still we still have a democracy that we can work on. Sure. Maybe. That's fine. Whatever. I can roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we are we are in the we are in the before times where everything is uncertain and terrible just due to the uncertainty and then we'll see if it's actually certainly terrible or not. In the before times where we can all make fun of Sean collectively mm-hmm. and feel mm-hmm. fine about it. So Delia, what did you do this week besides um, fret about the election? So this is a couple weeks too late, but I watched Paranorman because it's on Netflix <laughs> now. <laughs> it's a good movie, like Sam said. I really enjoy everything that Leica Studios does, so 
I had a good time with it. Sean is doing Kubo on his podcast this week, I guess as a little plug. <laughs> My favorite movie, Kubo, that unfortunately has Matthew McConaughey in it. Unfortunately. <laughs> and a bunch of other white people. <laughs> yeah, that's... Kubo and the Two Strings is a very good movie, except for how the entire cast has basically no Asian people in it, except for George, George Takei, Takei for like two lines. <laughs> um, so that's not great. But it's a good movie still. We can get back to white actors playing roles that should have been uh, yeah, preserved we'll, we'll for people of color. We'll talk a lot about that in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I also this week, I've been we've been watching Community like during when we're like eating mealtimes that was that a sentence that was, yes, sure. was that <laughs> when you're eating mealtimes yes yeah yeah um so i've watched the remedial chaos theory episode like twice in the last two days and that's just reminding me that that's a very good episode that's like my favorite episode of tv i think it's the best like it's, it's just it's, it's just so meta and it does it so well and yeah. it, i just enjoy it very much community is still a very good show it holds yeah. up well, and it's like the best distillation of of community, I feel like, in the yeah. in how chaotic it is and in how well constructed it is, and in like the ongoing legacy of the darkest timeline, which people who don't even watch community have probably heard reference to. Yeah. You know, like it's it is I, I think it's the best episode of that show for sure. And then probably of, you know, if you list a bunch of sitcoms, it's probably my favorite of a bunch of those as well. Yeah, it's just it's just a very good series. Like Community as a show just still really really works both in terms of like the characters and how they develop and like the narrative structure and like the cool meta like structural things that it does. Mm -hmm. It just it's still very a very good show to watch despite the nonsense. You just have to stop like a season and a half ahead of when it actually ends. Yeah, I mean, you should you should stop at the end of the fourth season, because at that point, it's like like they should have ended at the fourth season because it's like four, you know, years of college and then it's over. Like that's that should have been the end. Why wasn't it the end? <laughs> Anyway, right before Corey starts, I forgot to add, speaking of uh, eating mealtimes, you guys all did get to watch me <laughs> spill a bunch of stir fry all over my couch on Friday night <laughs> and then eat lots of dog hair in my food that I scooped up from the couch while Sean vacuumed around uh, me. I didn't hear that part. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it did seem yeah, like a process. I, I salvaged what I could. Yeah, we we all watched um, Book of Life together and it took us like an extra hour to start, mostly because Sam spilled stir fry all over herself uh -huh. and the couch. And then we had uh -huh. to watch Sean vacuum on and around her uh -huh. for like a half hour. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, it it was it, the couch still smells like orange sauce, but that's fine. But it's your birthday weekend, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah it's you're fine. Al you're allowed to be a fool on your birthday. Yeah. As as you promised Sean during that call <laughs> on his birthday next month, he can spill a bunch of food on the couch. Yeah. And then I'll clean it up. That's my promise. <laughs> he doesn't think I'll do a good job, but eh. <laughs> you the, promise the effort, not the quality. It's the thought that counts. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, Corey. What were you up to this week? <laughs> Speaking of uh, NBC sitcoms moving from community, um, NBC's show, well, the start of NBC's shows came back this week. This Is Us came out um, with their first <laughs> two episodes. 
Superstore and connecting. Connecting's been on for a couple of weeks, but Superstore uh, came out with their first episode. And Superstore is just so good at like making reference to things that are topical and happening in the world, but also like not being a downer about it and making it very realistic to bring up. And nothing ever feels shoehorned in. Like, so the entire plot of the episode is like them working through coronavirus, waiting on corporate to send them PPE and all of this stuff. And just, you know, they have everything you would expect and then some other fun things. And it's just so, I, it's just a really good show. And even though America Ferreira is leaving, I think it will still be good once she is gone because the writing is just incredibly good. I imagine most of the interstitials that are usually like customers doing dumb shit around the store are going to become like dumb ways people wear masks in the store. Is that yeah. a thing? Yeah. Well, so there was there was one where it was just a guy restocking canned goods on a shelf and a woman just grabbing every single one that he put on and just throwing it into her cart just over and yeah. over and over again with down with the sickness playing in the background as like <laughs> the ambient music. And like, it's just that attention to detail that I really appreciate in a show. <laughs> so everybody should watch Superstore if they haven't already. It's like six seasons in, but it's consistently very good. And um, I don't know if I mentioned it uh, on the podcast yet, but Connecting is NBC's like attempt to do a pandemic sitcom via like Zoom, essentially. Oh, God. And it's a little too soon in a lot of ways, because it is so like, they're like, this episode happened on May 29th, 2020. And then like, everything is very much about what was happening in May. And it's like, that was only six months ago, guys. Um, (laughs) But the writing is also good. And the characters are good. It's just like, it's something that should have happened. Like, I don't know, five or 10 years from now, I think like, I understand the necessity of like, well, I guess we can just make a zoom comedy. Because like, what else can we do? But uh, it's just a little fresh. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything I want to watch less right now than like people on a Zoom call when like all of yeah. us are just on Zoom calls every day. Like, yeah, I, I uh, 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 <laughs> talking yeah. to me about things that happened in May as if I'm not still like reeling from it. No. I mean, like I said, it's like it's it's a well done show for what it is. I just think they should have made it about some like not made it quite so focused on the in, the specific things that are happening in the world and just made it about people like having lives over zoom i guess if they wanted to do it that way um it's just a little too real for a sitcom sometimes i still enjoy it but like it's just a little you know it's it's a little much they're like literally pulling headlines from the days yeah yeah oh, like talking That's... about like yeah <laughs> No, it's right. Again, it's in like five or 10 years, it would be an interesting time capsule kind of thing of a show. But right now it's just a little too fresh sometimes. And like one of the friends is a doctor that is in New York City and like she calls from her like having a 10 minute break of being in the ER. And it's just like, oh, it's it's just a little like it's a sitcom and it's a little heavy for being a sitcom. Yeah, Whereas, it doesn't sound like a sitcom. It sounds like a drama. But it's a thir- but it's thirty minutes long, and there are jokes. The uh, I mean, it's <laughs> they tell some uh, jokes. Like, <laughs> it's just there are also very heavy moments interspersed with that, which is kind of hard to go back and forth, you know, within a twenty minute period. But but like I said, Superstore does a little bit of a better job, I guess, of framing it more as all the the things that essential workers have had to go through, but framing it in a funny way, like 
uh, two of the characters are very excited about being called heroes by <laughs> corporate. Uh-huh. Like, oh, we're heroes. The, a hero does this this job. And, um, you know, a lady sneezes a som- sneezes in somebody's face and then they take him out and just hose him down because... Yeah, I mean, su- Superstore's strength is that it really doesn't flinch away too much from, like, the class aspect of what they're doing. Yeah. Like, it's about, right. a, it's about, like, a, a big box store and the employees of that store who are, like, making minimum wage and, like, mm-hmm. can't afford, like, healthcare and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they're, like, there are characters that are, like, immigrants. Like, it's... You know, like that, that's what makes it like a good show because there's something very, in the core of it, there's something very, very real about it and doesn't flinch away from it. Yeah. Um, like it's very much about the working class and it doesn't like, you know. It doesn't try to be anything but about that. Yeah. No. But yeah, so yeah, watch Superstore. That's the moral of my very long talk about what I did this week. I also watched Sarah Cooper's Everything is Fine, but I could only make it through about three quarters of it because there was too much, um, Trump audio and I just didn't, I couldn't do it. So I had to be done. Yeah, I want I want Sarah Cooper to live her best life, but I am so very uninterested in what she does. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, for for it, four years consistently, I whenever I hear Trump's voice, I literally turn off whatever it is. Like, I can't listen to yeah. him talk and make that. I can't make his weird ass like vocal patterns normal in my brain, which is what would happen <laughs> if I watched him. Like, he talks like a fucking idiot who's never spoken before. And I want that to I want that to always be be true in my head i don't want to ever normalize it it was nice she got like a crazy number of people to be in it in the like three quarters of what of it that i watched like there's a good cast of like random comedians fred armison is there maya rudolph is there jane lynch is there but it was just yeah i just couldn't i just couldn't do the whole thing but you know if you're into sarah cooper she has a netflix special so good for her live her best life can't handle it Get get that money. Get that Netflix money. But. Glad that somebody you know is 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 profiting in a good way from this, and isn't like yeah. a war criminal. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well. So the other than that, all I've done this weekend is what we've done this weekend, which is Halloween things and Day of the Dead things. So do we want to start with anything specific? Well. Okay. To to intro into this, we watched the basically only two. Uh, English language Day of the Dead animated movies that exist, mm-hmm. uh, which yep. is book the Book of Life and Coco, and mm-hmm. one was definitely better than the other. <laughs> but I, I I do feel the need to preface and say Book of Life came out three years sooner than Coco did, and had like a quarter of the budget, I think. Yeah. yeah. So like the the resources were limited, technology wise, money wise, like it it's it's. RC Cola versus Coca-Cola money. Like, you know, it's never going to be equivalent. They could have, you know, cast more actual Latino <laughs> actors yeah, and not true. Channing Tatum. Yeah. So, I mean, do we do we have a obligation to talk about what Day of the Dead is to begin? I mean, I can I can give you the the primer sure. that I give to yeah. my kids. So, Day of the Dead is a day celebrated in Mexico. It is uh, November 1st and 2nd, um, and it is a day of remembering those who have passed on. Um, the belief in Mexico is that death is not an end point, but like a moving on to a next stage, and people on Earth will build altars and have celebrations um, and put things out that guide their loved ones' spirits back to them in the belief that they can visit with their loved ones on that day of 
the year. So that is, I mean, that's the thing. They do like parties in cemeteries. They'll put up altars and stuff like that in the cemeteries or at home. Um, and it's just about family togetherness and, you know, remembering those that you have lost in a way that's not sad so much as like ha- celebrating life more than m- celebrating what you had with someone who is gone more so than like mourning. I mean, death is just handled very, very differently in in Mexico's culture than it is in America. Yeah. Most people would not have a party in a cemetery unless you're our friend Kate. Yeah, who would true. have a party in a cemetery. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, OK, with that primer in place, I think Coco does a really good job of giving that backstory basically exactly as you said it, Corey. Mm-hmm. Comparing the two, as I think when we were watching it, Corey pointed out that like all of the like sort of explanation about the Day of the Dead in Book of Life is like in the first like five minutes, basically, yeah. in like the intro part. Yeah, it's a framing device. There's a character who is like a museum curator, quote unquote, um, and she like is telling a group of kids about what Day of the Dead is. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly American kids who aren't familiar. Yeah. And then, but Coco handles it in such a, so I just, I just watched Coco like right before this call. Thank God for daylight savings, by the way, (laughs) because I did not get around to it yesterday when I was planning on it. Um, And so I'm glad that I naturally woke up at like 730 this morning and was like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Can't relate. My my candy hangover won't, (laughs) won't keep me from watching this movie. But yeah, Coco handles it in such like, it does do like a bunch of sort of, this is what Day of the Dead is. It's more like piecemeal. We're putting out these offerings. We're laying down flower petals, but, but it's like, it's very interspersed with like the story. Yeah. It's not an info dump at the beginning. Yeah. A lot of it's like kind of side characters and you kind of hear like snippets of their conversations as mm-hmm. Miguel, the main character, is like running past them. And, you know, it's just it's just done so much better. It's more show, not tell. Like they still do tell you, but it's not outright explanation. It's like the mom walking by like we have to spread the marigold petals to, yeah. the, you know, to give the path to the ancestors yeah. or whatever. Like While Miguel like runs past doing his yeah. thing. Yeah, right. I do. Again, I think it's very funny that the two similarities between the plots of these movies are a family that really, really hates musicians. And and (laughs) for some reason, for some reason, being a mariachi player is like an alma in in both of these universes. Like, don't you ever play a guitar? Yeah. You know, you know, the you know, the Mexicans famously anti-music. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then there's and then there's also a villain in both who's crushed to death by a giant bell. Yeah. Crushed to death or exploded inside of a bell. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing about the difference in those two viewpoints on music is that at least in Coco, society still likes music. Like the other, <laughs> right, yeah. the other people in Mexico still like music. <laughs> it is only his family. Whereas in Book of Life, it seems like the whole town is anti-music except for the mariachis. Yeah. It seems like everyone's like, ew, you want to play music music and it's like what yeah (laughs) yeah it's like what's happening in this town yeah so book of life as we kind of already talked about it starts off with this idea of a school of delinquent children i guess going to a museum and learning about day of the dead but also just like kind of vaguely mexican-y and also just other mayan things on the lower peninsula of the Mm -hmm. north america yeah but it it, at its core it's a movie about a love story between three kids and sort of how their lives 
develop under the watch and like guise of these two very powerful gods who have a bet running on like who the female character uh, will get with between these two different boys, mm-hmm. which are named something. <laughs> the, the boys or the gods? The boys. The boys, uh, Manolo and Joaquin. Ah, yes. I mean, it's... It's Diego Luna and Channing Tatum. Yeah, it's so, Diego Luna and Channing Tatum. <laughs> so to get to the so to get to the, kind of what we alluded to before, Diego Luna plays Manolo, right? Yeah. And my favorite Mexican actor Channing Tatum <laughs> <laughs> plays Joaquin. Uh, and like the two gods, I forget what they're called. Sibalba uh, and La Muerte. So one of those is Ron Perlman, who also mm-hmm. not 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 a Hispanic man (laughs) no he's essentially the mayan hades is the like what i have figured out from investigating because i knew i'd heard the name before but couldn't remember what it was so at least ron perlman is not playing a hispanic character technically he's playing some god man (laughs) yeah and i mean zoe saldana has you know is is latina yeah is latina And then the woman that plays La Muerte is as well. Okay. But, so it's mostly yeah, just Channing Tatum yeah. who is the... It's mostly that Channing Tatum is there. and it, it, it's, it's Channing Tatum and like the rando supporting characters that are just like, okay, yeah, it's also, whatever. It's also very, it was very distracting because I kept trying to listen exactly for like how much of an accent did Channing Tatum put on. <laughs> almost none, none though. Yeah. He, he, the answer he, is zero. Yeah, he almost tried a little bit. Like there were some words where you could hear kind of an inflection. I'm like, uh, maybe don't do that. But also why? <laughs> Why, why is he the only one in this town that doesn't have a Mexican accent? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. and he also is the only one that's like, hey, bro, right. <laughs> what's up, dude? Everybody else is like, you know, using Mexican colloquialisms, and he's like, hey, bro, do you want to fight, bro? You want to, <laughs> you want to go? He is very, dude? like, it's, he, he, his character is almost not different from his 21 Jump Street character, yeah. even though he plays a, like, a, a guy in a small town in Mexico. Yeah. Similar to 21 Jump Street, Ice Cube is also there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ice, Ice, who can forget Ice Cube? Ice Cube there. gets the final line in the movie it's as horrible. the candle maker. The keeper of the Book of Life. Which is to be yourself. No, write your own story. Write your own story. Yeah. Write your own story is the, yeah. So the, the whole idea is, you know, don't let other people dictate what you're going to do with your life. If you want to be a musician, be a musician. You don't have to kill the bull, even if your dad says that he that you have to kill the bull to be a man, because only men kill bulls. The that's the other thing. The the like the gender stuff was so heavy much worse. <laughs> and yeah, and like I mean, machismo is a thing. It is a it is like a, a well known thing societally that has been pushed against in Latino culture in Mexico, but like. Just because it exists doesn't mean you got to go so hard on it. Yeah. And they also went really hard in like the sort of girl power because. Right. Zoe Saldana's character (laughs) spends the entire time being like, oh, I learned while I was studying abroad in Spain with these nuns or whatever. I also learned how to sword fight and do kung kung fu. And do kung fu. Question? Question? (laughs) Me, I have a question. Hello? All all of the best kung fu masters living in Spain are Spanish nuns. <laughs> why not like s- sword fighting or something that's actually yeah, why relevant? Why not like a Spanish form of fighting? Yeah. Also, <laughs> she kissed the groom. Kissed the groom? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's so much. Remember in 2014 when it was scandalous to be the woman kissing the man? And she like, she dips him and it's like, oh, she's, she's strong. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm sorry, but I absolutely hated the animation style in that movie. Yeah. It's so ugly to my eyes. Like, it's mostly actually the, it's mostly just how horrifyingly feminine the female characters are in comparison to like every other character because it's like all the because like most of the characters are puppets because the story is told Mm -hmm. as like so they're like wooden yeah they're supposed to look like cutouts from a book like a story yeah and you can you like during their parts even though they're like they're the you know animated figures they they're clearly like wooden puppets and that's fine but all the male characters are like big barrel chested square heads. And then all the women yeah. are like little, little stick bodies and <laughs> a giant round head with yeah. gigantic eyes. And it's just so bad to look at. It's like a brat doll next yeah. to like a yes. He-Man doll. And you're like, why yes. are these in the same universe? <laughs> like pick one. Funnily enough, when we were watching Coco and you know, there's the scene with the uh, announcer lady at the contest that yeah. um, M- Miguel winds up winning. Celia Cruz, essentially. Yeah. So Sean is like, that's the only time that that body type in animation makes sense because she's literally ribs a and a spine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she has like the very extreme hourglass figure, but she literally has no skin or bone. Yeah, it's, it's literally <laughs> because she's a skeleton. It's yeah. just like yeah. her spinal cord in there. Exactly. So it's like yeah. it's the only time that that makes sense and works. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how every character in Book of Life <laughs> looks, even if they are fleshy characters okay 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 we've got almost a half hour and we haven't talked about the worst part of book of life (laughs) which was so i guess for this movie they did not spend a lot of money or time like hiring songwriters for original songs there are a couple i think they wrote two yeah there are two but the all the other musical numbers are just mariachi style covers of like popular uh-huh. american songs including they okay i'm a creep <laughs> i'm a weirdo <laughs> okay uh, the thing the okay right after we hung up on that call i was just sitting on my couch kind of blank face for a couple minutes and then <laughs> shan came into the other room and he was like oh, so how was the movie and i was like i turned to him and i was like they made Diego Luna sing Creep by Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, played it, <sighs> I, I, I played it for Sean afterwards, and he was just like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's just... Uh, like, well, the, one, the other point I have to make is, if they were going to, like, do bad covers, why did they make Diego Luna sing them? Okay, <laughs> like... Diego Luna is a good man and a good actor and not a trained singer. Why did you make him do the covers of these songs? Why did you hire another person who can sing? Why are... Okay, why can I go on Spotify right now and search Diego Luna and find his cover of Creep by Radiohead? What? The shame! The shame! (laughs) Diego Luna is a good man. Why did you do this to him? The choices of the other... Like, all... The choices of all of the songs that they chose to do covers of yeah. are wild choices. The other one like, is the other major one is I will wait by Mumford and Sons and <laughs> Mumford and Sons yeah. is so specific sounding already. You can't yeah, make like, it you can't do a can't mariachi like, cover. You can't just like sort of make it sound mariachi and pretend like it's not just a Mumford, Mumford and, and Sons. Sons. 
Yeah. Well, and then also um, my favorite mariachi uh, number, uh, Bismarcky's Just a Friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. I forgot about that one. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. In which they do nothing to make it sound mariachi-y at all. No. And then they also also do a cover of... uh, if you want my body by Rod Stewart. And the only thing they change right. in that is vamos mommy. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was fucking yeah. with you by saying that, but it literally is. If you want my body and you think I'm sexy, vamos mommy. Let me know. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, I just wish that they had the, the, yeah. So the day going back to the day of the dead of it all, the day of the dead of it all only comes into play in that. Sibalaba kills Manolo. Mm-hmm. To win the bet so that she, the girl is forced to marry Joaquin. Just say Channing Tatum. Like, yeah. <laughs> to get him to like protect the town. Because also he's not a good enough person to stay and protect the town he grew up right. in against this like chakal, chakal without, you know, I need, must marry woman. He's just cool if everyone he grew up with dies. Every single person. <laughs> offer me a wife or I will offer no protection to any of you that I grew up with. Yeah, I found that very confusing. Like, they needed her to marry him so that he would stay in the town and protect it. But it's like, you grew up here and, like, don't you still live here? What are you doing? Yeah, I also don't, I don't know if he, if he ever explicitly said, like, I am going to leave. He just never, like, <laughs> corrected them. No, he never corrected <laughs> it when they were like, he, they were like, Maria, you must marry Joaquin. And he, he just stood there like, yeah, I, I, sure. if you don't marry me, I'm going, I'm going to leave this town I grew up in with all the people, including my family that live here. And yep. I guess just let them like be killed Die. by bandits or whatever. Yep. That's there fine. was one moment where like he starts to say you don't have to and then the old man cuts in and is like you have to. <laughs> so like it they they kind of make it clear that he's not really on board but he also doesn't speak up to say no. that she doesn't have to, no. which he should. Again, in the year 2014, it's not like this was made in 1990 something. <laughs> and th- but so the day of the dead of it all only comes into play in Manolo having to like get out of the the land of the dead, the land of the remembered. The just the there's just the one scene when they're kids that it's like the act it's actually the day of the dead. And that's yeah. when they do the, when they make to... the bet. And then mm-hmm. that's like it that's like all and then he does end up going to the land of the dead and like meeting his mom yeah. or whatever. And the only the only reason that scene is there is so you like know that when he sees his mom for the first time in twenty years, it's significant. Because yeah. it has no mm-hmm. emotional resonance in the movie. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like telling you that it's important. <laughs> yeah. And then he has to fight a lot of skeleton bulls. Yeah, yeah, but that all happens in the last like 15 minutes of the movie, 20 minutes of the mm-hmm. movie. So it's really not a movie about Day of the Dead as much as it is kind of like a movie about Mexican iconography. Yeah. And right. some and some Mayan iconography. Yeah, with with <laughs> right. with covers of American pop songs from like yep. the early two thousands. <laughs> yep. And I and again, I, I will reiterate, in twenty fourteen when this movie came out and there was not a popular movie made about Day of the Dead for children, I was all about it. I bought it. I was like, I'm gonna play this for my students because like what other options do I have? Yeah. And then Coco came out and then I have not watched it since until this. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean just compare it to Coco, it's despite the sort of aesthetic similarities, they are such different movies on basically every level. And I mean, part of it is definitely the budget. Like Corey said, like it's it's a Pixar budget. This, Astronomically different. Yeah, I mean, Coco, Coco, I think is it was the first all Latino cast movie with like a budget of 
nine figures in history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. again, all of the cast are Latino in Coco, and yeah. it makes such a difference. There's like, literally to, no right? like stunt casting. In no, Coco. there's there's none at all. Like it's literally yeah. like every single person is Latino. It doesn't matter if they're like a well known name or whatever. Like maybe the most mainstream people people are Gael Garcia Bernal, but he's mostly like famous in Mexico, right? Well, and that's the, that's the thing. The some of the people that they have are like people that are not necessarily famous outside of the U.S., but are famous like are famous. Latino, like Jaime Camil, uh, Rogelio de la Vega, um, is famous outside of the U.S. too, along with being famous in the U.S. for Jane the Virgin. He might be the most recognizable name in the cast to an American audience. And Benjamin Bratt, too, is also recognizable. But uh, yeah, so they're, I mean, the cast is great. And they, so plot wise about Coco, Coco's about Miguel, who wants to be a musician, but his family doesn't want him to be a musician because his great grandfather, great great grandfather, um, left his great-great-grandmother to go become a musician. So they're like, you can either choose family or music. You can't have both, yada, yada. And so he decides to go um, try and become a musician by taking what he thinks is his great-great-grandfather's guitar, who he thinks is Ernesto de la Cruz, who is this big musician that's super popular and famous and long dead. And uh, by stealing the guitar, he gets sent to the land of the dead for stealing from the dead. On Day of the Dead, he encounters his ancestors who are in the land of the dead going to try and visit his family. And he has to like kind of figure out how to get back home while still being able to be a musician because his family will not give him their blessing to return while being a musician. And it's just about, you know, reconciling you know, doing what you want to do while also doing what your family needs you to do. And the thing that is similar about these two movies is that it definitely hinges around a theme of like individuality versus your allegiance to your family. But just Mm -hmm. the it's so, so different. The like sophistication by which Coco does it. And part of that is generally a Pixar thing like Pixar Mm -hmm. like what I was watching when I was watching this again this morning I was just thinking like Pixar movies work so well because they do not even though the target audience is you know children they just they don't pull any punches with their emotional moments like they Mm -hmm. they really for Coco when it like it makes you sit there and like death and loss and memory like the scene Mm -hmm. where like the flashback um to Hector singing to Coco is oh, yeah. like it's it's so poignant and it doesn't there's nothing it doesn't like try and pull away at the last moment sort of like another of uh, some other like you know animation <laughs> studios would where, where it's like making a joke like it makes you sit there in that moment and it trusts mm-hmm. that your audience even if it is children will understand like what grief is you know it trusts that mm-hmm. your audience will like understand the poignance of that moment and him being dead and yeah. that memory in context it's just it's so powerful and compare comparing that to like book of life where it's a chance of saying bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like book of life has the same themes right like it's a character who wants to be a musician but his family wants him to be doing something else and it just that Book of Life just doesn't have any of that. Here's the difference between Book of Life. Uh, Manolo's dad literally dies in the uh, <laughs> events of Chacal coming to their town to, like, kill everyone. And it is barely addressed. Like, he's like, oh, hey, dad, you're dead now. Yep. Uh, bye. 
that's literally the emotional resonance that his father being murdered by a bandit has versus like everything involved in Coco. Like you're, you even feel a genuine grief at the end of the movie when the like 95 year old woman dies because even though you knew it was going to happen, like when they flash forward a year and they show that Coco has indeed died in that year, you're like, Oh no. And it's very sad. And like you see how sad her mom or her daughter is, and like, and then all, and then all the ghosts of the loved ones are back, and then I, I don't, okay, I, I play this movie, and I tell this to anybody that I talk to about Coco. I play this movie four times in a row in thirty-minute segments to, for my kids at the end of the school year every year. So I've watched this movie so many times yeah. in the past years that it's been out, but I cry at <laughs> something. Every single yeah. time, yeah, including the day where we watch the Remember Me four mm-hmm. times in a row. Oh, wow. I see it four <laughs> times in the same day in a two hour period. And when we do, it's usually the final one. It's usually it's usually Miguel singing to Coco yeah. with yeah. Remember Me. And that is what gets me because old people get me. And like that's always. <laughs> and then the very end also when all of the like relatives are there for the party and the, the ancestors are there too. Like that gets me as well. But like I legitimately cry every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I definitely thought when I was watching it this time, it struck me how many like adult themes this movie really tackles and like doesn't like like you said, Delia does not flinch or shy away from. That's just like even when I think about like, quote unquote, bad Pixar movies like Cars, which again, I, I mean, it's a movie that I really enjoy for like mostly nostalgic reasons. But comparing even like Cars, which is like objectively not a great movie, like it's it's something about like like its themes are like Americana and like all this sort of stuff, which don't usually resonate with me, have no reason to resonate with me. But the fact that Pixar is a studio, when they make these storytelling decisions, they say like these are the themes and we're going to hit them like clearly. You know, we're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though there are like jokes and like stuff for kids, obviously, it's all bright colors and silly characters, but it's when we when we're talking about like legacy and death and memory and stuff like that like we're not going to like shy away from it like this is like it's either like someone died or someone is lost or you know i did something wrong i said something to someone i love and it was the wrong thing and like that's it's like a real thing you know it like it makes you mm-hmm. sit in that it, it, it even shows it shows children that like these are emotions that you can and should have and that you can yeah. sit with them for a while mm-hmm and process them and then you can move on and it also it gives like in in the conflict of like oh you shouldn't do music because your family doesn't want you to or whatever a it gives a better justification <laughs> yeah, than yeah Book of Life did because like your grandpa <laughs> your your great-great-grandpa left our family to become a musician so we hate music makes so much more sense than Music's not a career. Yeah. Yeah. Music is less manly than being a matador. Yeah. In the book of life, it's literally just like, we're all matadors. You can't play music. And then everyone else in the town, for some reason, is like, yeah, music's dumb. (laughs) And you're like, what? Why? And then also, it gives gives Miguel the moment where he's talking to his uh, great grandma, where he's like, 
you're supposed to support family. Like you should be supporting yeah. what I want, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that's not voiced. Like book of life doesn't mention that at all. It's like, Oh, Manolo is in the wrong for wanting to do the thing that yeah. he, yeah. you know, that his family doesn't want him to do. And like, yeah. And at, and at the end he quote unquote wins by fighting, you know, right. like yeah. he has to fight the bad guy or whatever. Like it's, well, he does, he does play, he does play a song for the bull to make the bull. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Like the, the final, whatever the guy, like Chacal. he gets yeah. blown up in, ex- in an explosion or whatever. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it also deals with the, like the grief of losing a romantic partner mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. in a way that's like not, I mean, not really a theme in a lot of uh, children's media, I think, because like it's they don't really get divorced. They just mm-hmm. I mean, she, he just never comes back and she doesn't know. She has no idea what happened to him, like really. Right. For yeah. her whole yeah. life. Um, but she still recognizes at the end, like he was the love of my life and I do still love him, even though he hurt yeah. me. And I mean, and- learning that he was murdered helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I saw it the first time, I did not anticipate the twist that Hector was was related. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I honestly didn't either. I remember I was sitting in the theater and I was like, this is so smart. And I did not see it coming. Yeah. I watching it the second time, I, I can pick up on all the little clues yeah. that they like play mm-hmm. through. And I and it just it feels very good. Like it feels incredibly earned. Mm-hmm. That's a good twist when it when it's when you know it's coming and you can see it clearly once you know it's coming but the first time you don't see it that's how you know that it's like a good yeah it's because it's because the character of Hector when he's first introduced seems like a sort of buddy kind of sidekick character to Miguel Mm -hmm. you know like he's just sort of like a (laughs) silly silly poor weird skeleton man who's like who's like I I I don't want to die or whatever so I'm 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 like a con man I'm gonna help you because it'll help me or whatever and like so when they find out that they're family, it's like, it's so poignant and it works so yeah. well. Well, and it speaks mm-hmm. to Hector's character too, that he knows Ernesto de la Cruz stole all of his music. He's known that his entire life and has never called him out on it or come forward with it because he really does genuinely think that like his friend liked him in the end. Like he doesn't, he doesn't know that he was murdered by him. So he's kind of yeah. like, I'll guess I'll let my friend have this legacy because I couldn't yeah. have it. In, in, like, the context of, like, the plot points, like, Hector thought, because Hector knew that Ernesto promised to whatever, like, sing his songs and remember him, right, after he died. And so him taking his song sort of makes sense and becoming famous, right? Even yeah. though, like, he never, like, Ernesto Received never credit. credited him. <laughs> Yeah. But it was like he wanted Hector wanted to think the best of this his man friend. who was his friend. And so he wanted to think like, OK, well, he got my songs out there and he like lived my legacy or whatever. And so it is like it's like it's, it's such a genuinely good twist when you when he finds out. Yeah. Speaking of adult themes in a Pixar movie, like there's murder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is murdered. a kid's movie. There's murder. <laughs> Like, there's pretty explicit murder. (laughs) Yeah, poisoning murder. And then he uses it for a movie plot later, which is incredibly sinister. (laughs) Utterly, utter village shit. (laughs) And also very confident. Like, how confident are you that you're not going to get caught having done something that you make a movie of it? Based on the sort of 
I mean, it's not like specified what year it is when Miguel is alive, but I assume it's modern more or less. Ernesto died in 42. Yeah. So, so it's probably like the, so probably like 20s the early, or 30s. Yeah, like early 1900s. So yeah, probably. We didn't know about DNA and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. But still. Insert John Mulaney bit about shooting Suggins into the side of the wall or whatever. <laughs> right. They, the murderers didn't leave anything except for this pile of blood. Mmm, gross. <laughs> Mop it up. <laughs> the other thing that I appreciate about Coco is the attention they took to to like including a lot of like like again it's very day of the dead centric in that mm-hmm. there are a lot of like images and like items that, like you you get to see an ofrenda that is laid out with all of the traditional stuff on it it's got the day of the dead bread it's got the pictures it's got the like loved ones like they put the the shoes that they made or whatever yeah. with their pictures like all of the the typical stuff you would find on an altar and they have yeah, there's just a lot more like culturally relevant stuff in it. Um, even just like the alebrijes being mentioned. And there's a lot more like, there, there are like celebrities in the, de- in the land of the dead that are like relevant to Leti. Like, I mean, there's Frida Kahlo. <laughs> to the whole Frida Celia Kahlo scene. There's a lot of Frida Kahlo. There's a lot of Frida Kahlo. But there are a bunch of other like celebrities that they, you know, put in the, like basically Easter eggs for the Latino community yeah. of like mm-hmm. people that if you are aware of them, you will be like, oh, hey, it's that person. Which is nice and, again, is, like, a kind of second level of effort that you would expect from Pixar. And, again, probably since they had more resources, it was easier to do than Book of Life or whatever. But, like... Yeah, I mean, what what it comes down to is, like, the Book of Life script could have been written by a white person who did a Google search. (laughs) Whereas, like, the Coco script is clearly influenced by... Latino creators. <laughs> I haven't looked it up, but I know, I mean, obviously Coco was made by Pixar and Disney and it was a lot of white people. Like I know yeah. that the yeah. original like pitch for Coco was from the perspective of like an American kid whose mom was Mexican and he's like finding out about his Mexican culture or something like that. And then they, once they got into it, they reworked it and were like, okay, this this has to be from the perspective of, like, an actual Mexican character, and they did, like, the work um, mm-hmm. to make sure yeah. that it was more authentic, that it included a lot of Latino people. Book of Life was directed by a uh, Latino guy, uh, Jorge Gutierrez, and then Coco was co-directed by um, Adrian Molina with Lee Unkrich. But so, it's yeah, it's interesting that, like, having... I, I guess it is just Pixar finally taking the responsibility of being, like, we have to involve people who actually know what they're talking about yeah. when we're making this movie also uh yeah. not to not to forget this but a few years before this movie came out when they were working on it disney did try to trademark dia de los muertos <laughs> <laughs> so keep that in mind disney literally yeah. tried to trademark it for like merchandising and people were like uh you can't no. do this <laughs> i'm disney and i would like to buy halloween please <laughs> basically what they're saying uh, uh yeah no no defense of disney as a corporation yeah no no <laughs> just the people who made this movie and that's it it's all <laughs> i will say that so speaking of casting um gael garcia bernal as hector is a really good choice and i just am still so mad there are so many great latino actors in coco like it's a plethora of them and i'm just like you couldn't get one to be <laughs> against diego luna like Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna have been friends since they were legitimately born. Their parents were actors together. 
in like the year, like when they were born, they were born in the same year to parents who were on a, in a theater troupe together. They've known each other for literally ever. And you couldn't choose those two. As well, the, like, I mean, frankly, uh, he might've already been approached about Coco in 2014. Yeah. yeah I mean, that yeah. is true. Also, do you think that Gael holds it over Diego's head that like, Hey, my movie about day of the dead was much better than yours. Probably. <laughs> uh. I mean, Gael can also sing, and the movie, the music in Coco is really good. Well, I don't think yeah. I don't think uh, Gael did the actual singing parts. Oh, he for did. Uh, he did. Are you sure? He did. Um, the uh, not in the credit song, but in like the in the lullaby okay. and in the uh, yeah the the two that happen in the movie. Okay. Yes. Um, but like they got um, Miguel, the uh, singer, to do the one that goes over the credits. But yeah, it's. I would say Gael and Diego are probably about the same level of like can sing, but are not great singers. Yeah, and I think that it just lent like the the music, yeah, the music was simpler. Was, what's was it a weird pop cover? <laughs> it right, was, yeah. like we're singing a lullaby yeah. of like "Remember Me." Remember Me is not a like crazy complicated tune of a song, no. and it just it it fits. Yeah, and he's singing it like basically a cappella with just a guitar. So right, you know. Yeah, Diego Luna did have to like scream through half of grief <laughs> because that's kind of how the kind of how the song goes. But and like uh, Gael sang um, the beginning part of "Remember Me" at the Oscars the year that Coco came out, and he was so nervous. Oh. And it was so cute, and he like kind of started out a little shaky because he was so nervous. But I think they made him do it like a cappella, and oh I was boy. like, guys, oh boy. <laughs> I love this man, but I don't know that this is a great plan. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'd only seen Coco once before watching it today. Uh, I remembered all the music and Sean was like, how yeah. do you know this? And I was like, it's just it's it's very so catchy. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. good. I mean, uh, the songwriters for this movie won an Oscar for this. Um, yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're also the same um, ones who wrote a bunch of the songs for it's a husband and wife. I'm forgetting their names right now. Frozen, the Lopez's. Yeah. And they they yeah. wrote the music for Frozen 2, which I think they also won an Oscar for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just I just listened to them like on a podcast recently, which is why I'm thinking about it. But uh, yeah, they're great and they're great songwriters. And like they obviously put a lot, a lot, a lot of work into the movie, the music for this movie. I mean, Remember Me is a bop, but also Un Poco Loco is just, it's very a very good. good song. It's a, it's a, it's a utter bop. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I I mean, I'm biased, but I do think the songs are better in Spanish. Yeah, I, I, I would assume so. I, I like the, I like the Spanish versions of the songs better. Like they're, they're still very good in English, but I just like the, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm also curious to know, like, uh, my question is that for for so many people that do songs in multiple languages, but like what's what language it started in, you know, and like whether they wrote it in English and then tra- had to translate it to Spanish or vice versa. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I think for for a lot of the songs in this movie, like Require the May and Remember Me have the same number of syllables. So it's easy right. to go between the two of them. Um, so they probably I mean, I, I assume they did a little bit of thinking for both sides, knowing that yeah. they they were writing for Amer- an American audience for an American movie, but also trying to make sure that the music would sound good. And it's like basically yeah. native language. Yeah, I, I listened to just as a recommendation for Corey. I think the Lopez's did an interview on Bullseye a while back with Jesse Thorne, and they talked specifically about like Coco and writing okay. Remember Me. So I assume they I, I don't I can't remember because it's been it was like literally last year when i listened to it but yeah i assume they talk about the writing process and where it started yeah 
Hey, Book of Life did have Saline Tolindo in it, which I sang in chorus in the seventh grade. <laughs> yes, that is the that is the is that the only song that was in Spanish? Yeah, I think right? it was the only one that was fully in Spanish, at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so fun fact, um, my seventh grade choir teacher was like a bunch of 12 year old girls can sing in Spanish for sure but i do remember all the lyrics to saline dolindo so i don't know i don't know if it worked or saline dolindo is kind of a bop too it's fine yeah but i i do imagine that it was like saline tolindo los corazones compared to what it should sound like i mean i think all of us have sung in choir songs in other languages that we fully butchered i'm sure yeah Yeah. i mean i know it's a dead language but we sang a lot of like latin songs badly (laughs) yeah yeah and we did um we did a song in french around christmas time that i know we just did not do it's you know it's no one no one goes to a choir of children (laughs) for like accurate pronunciation of any words no you go go as a familial obligation yeah Yeah. i mean yeah i i get what they're trying to do these choir teachers give us some culture (laughs) i guess but also I mean, I still don't know what the lyrics to Say Lindo Lindo mean. I don't remember what the <laughs> translation is. I think I just learned the sounds of the words. Because, I mean, that was way before I took Spanish as a language. And I don't think they ever told us, like, what it was about. It was just like, sing these syllables. Here's what they sound like. Cielito <laughs> is, like, basically an angel. Like, it's t- it's basically a love song, if I remember correctly. I mean, I know Los Corazones means the heart's. Uh, I'd have to like look over the lyrics to remember, but I'm pretty sure it's like a love song. Ay, 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 ay means ay, 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 ay. Canta y no llores means uh, sing, don't cry. That's all I got. Yeah, you got it. You got it. But, but again, I know this because I you took Spanish. In Spanish. You got this. <laughs> yeah, I know this because I took Spanish, not because I sang it in choir. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so do we have anything else? Is there anything? I do. It's such a weird poll that both of these, both of the villains died from bells. Yeah, like, it's I, I don't so think why, that there's a... Why? I don't buy the, like, Coco is a ripoff of Book of Life theory at all. And I think we've no. expressed why we don't believe be, that. I think that's insane. <laughs> yeah, but it is odd that that is a similarity. Like, I think the, the music thing can kind of be written off, like, as a... This is a thing that, you know, yeah, I mean, they're both happens like musical in a lot of movies, so they have yeah. to be about like revolve around Music. songs. But the bell thing is oddly specific. It is. <laughs> yeah. If I if I knew nothing about Mexicans and just watched these two movies, I'd be like, <laughs> Mexicans hate music and also have lots of big bells. They have very scary bells. Of big bells everywhere. Avoid any bell towers you come across. Dying, dying via big bell is very common. <laughs> Mexico's number one fear, national fear, is dying by bell. <laughs> Being a musician who dies by bell. Be- <laughs> yeah. Well, do we have anything else that we want to touch on um, with either of these movies before we uh, wrap it up for the week? No, I think we're good. A little visual gag that I really love in Coco is like in the year after where uh, they show the ofrendas and stuff. Uh, uh, the tomb of Ernesto de la Cruz says, forget you. Yeah. In very big yes. letters. <laughs> I like that a lot. There is a uh, a Facebook post that circulates around this time every year that says, Feliz Dia de los Muertos to everybody except Ernesto de la Cruz. <laughs> 
which is good. It's a good game. I, yeah, I do like the sort of suspending the d- of disbelief at the end just to wrap it up nicely and just say like, yes, also in real life, we have to discredit this dead man. And yeah. the whole world turned on this man that was l- beloved. We truly have to completely ruin his reputation in both worlds. It's a touch suspect that everyone was like, ah, these... 50 year old letters definitely prove that he was ripped off and also uh ector's family didn't care yeah the entire time that that he was no i guess uh i guess the mom never heard him singing the lullaby to coco that was just a secret two two person affair well the mom's dead yeah yeah but she was alive when ernesto de la cruz recorded remember me yeah but she didn't know where her husband was so she might have just thought he was behind the scenes or something i don't know I sure it seems fine. <laughs> I'm suspending my disbelief. You can't you can't chip away at it too much because no, otherwise not, it not trying to. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm just saying. Okay, well, I mean, do we want to do we want to go ahead and wrap it up? I know we don't really have any recommendations for this week. I mean, I don't know. My recommendation is to go look up some Day of the Dead stuff. It's pretty interesting and cool, and there are a lot of cool like you know you can find pictures of people's ofrendas and the parades and stuff that they do in mexico and there are a lot of a lot of resources if you'd like to learn more on on the interwebs so go for it spanish teacher Corey, keeping us honest okay well do we want to call it for the for the week yeah let's get out of here what are we doing next week we're doing oh Oh. we're doing (laughs) hashtag just stanley tucci things (laughs) <laughs> yeah so we're we're grasping at straws for things to do and stanley tucci's birthday's in two weeks so we're gonna do a stanley tucci watch <laughs> tucci gang tucci gang tucci gang hell yeah, hell a good yeah. SNL so that's gonna do uh, it for us this week uh this has been discontent a podcast about nothing and for no one you can find us on instagram at facebook at discontent podcast and on twitter at discontent cast and you can leave a review and subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice our theme song is South of France by the Swing Ninjas, and we look forward to the eminent mariachi cover. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Feliz Dia de Muertos. Adios. Adios. I, I don't, I didn't take any Spanish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>